If you're just learning about giving circles for the first time today, great, you're not behind or anything, but it's a good time because this is something that really is taking off. Welcome back to What The Fundraising. I'm your host, Mallory Erickson, and this podcast is for impact leaders and change makers who are looking to fundamentally change the way they lead and fundraise. Today, I'm interviewing Emily Rasmussen. Emily is the CEO and founder of Grapevine, which is a home for collaborative giving that's helping giving circles and donor groups like friends, families, and alumni to pool their donations and decide together where to give. Giving circles have been around as a concept since the 1980s, but in combination with new technologies, those circles are wider and more generous than ever before. As we learn from Emily, giving circles can help maximize donor impact and help to connect the dots between people and organizations. In this conversation, you'll learn about the different models for giving circles, what kinds of networks have been most successful thus far, and how technology can aggregate and amplify the interests of small donors and the community. Emily is sharing key ingredients to keep in mind when setting up a giving circle modality and highlights the importance of putting an intentional framework in place. All right, there is a lot of wisdom inside this episode, so let's dive in so you can meet Emily. Welcome, everyone. I am so excited to be here today with Emily Rasmussen. Emily, welcome to What the Fundraising. Thank you so much, Mallory. It's great to be here. I'm really excited to talk to you today and to let everyone get to know more about you and your incredible work. Why don't we start with just a little bit of your history and what brings you to your work today and this conversation? My background is in microfinance. I spent several years working to build microfinance programs in India for a couple of years and then was based out of New York building projects globally. So had a great opportunity to work on a number of different initiatives. After that, got very excited about technology coming into that space with the early days of crowdfunding. So uh, I remember when Kiva was taking off and Kickstarter was just launching. And so this was a very exciting time to me. And I didn't have a background in technology, but was very excited about the potential for it and how it could unlock more opportunity for this local microfinance movement. And so really started pursuing that and spent some time in that sector. And it was out of that that I started thinking about how we could go beyond crowdfunding that was becoming fairly transactional even in those earlier days and try to create a more purposeful giving experience using technology. What would that look like? Ultimately, that's what led to Grapevine, my organization now, which powers giving circles across the country. Amazing. So before we talk about giving circles and grapevines specifically, can you just talk to us really quickly about microfinancing and why it's important just for folks who might be hearing about that concept for the first time? power of microfinance shows that even small dollar amounts can make a huge impact. Small dollar amounts for communities where there might not be access to resources in the same way that other communities have is very meaningful. It can go a long way. The other thing that microfinance, I think, really showed us and pioneered for us in many ways is that traditional forms of collateral aren't the only forms of collateral that can enable people to access funding to unlock opportunities for for themselves, for their families, for their communities. And so microfinance really helped pioneer this idea of social collateral and people working together and advocating for each other in order 
to unlock access to funds. And there are a variety of models, but I would say those are the two big things that microfinance has really helped to pioneer for us in the micro lending or micro funding space, whether it's in the for-profit, here's a loan for a business, consumption, here's a loan to cover your healthcare costs or home purchases, or on the philanthropic side, here's philanthropic capital to invest in your local community. What's interesting to me about the connection between microfinance and giving circles, perhaps, is also the impact on the funder. I'm curious what you saw in the microfinance space around the ability of funders to make a big splash, even with a smaller dollar amount than we typically hear about around transformational investments. Can you talk to me about that a little bit? This is where I think organizations like Kiva.org have been incredible because they've given you and me the opportunity to contribute $100. That's all it takes, right? And with that $100, you can then identify a woman in East Africa or India, for example, who is looking for a loan to purchase some item. It could be a goat. It could be a cook stove. I'm not sure. It could be any number of things. That's just one example, but there's a wide variety And so you really have that connection and that collaboration with that person. You're giving them funds to make a purchase that is meaningful to them that they know will make a difference. And then it's also giving you that chance to see the power of $100, what that could actually do. Those are some of the similar things we see with giving circles. It's not always one-to-one in the way that I just described, but even with microfinance and even on Kiva, for example, you can pool money with other people, right? And so instead of $100, you could join with 100 other people and then you have $10,000, again, to invest in someone or someone's organization around the world. Hmm. When you think about the impact on identity for a funder who's participating Mm -hmm. in a giving circle, and giving circle is essentially a number of people coming together, pooling their money together, and making decisions around strategic investments that everyone in that community, in that circle, are aligned with. That's right. Yeah, that's a perfect description, Mallory. Exactly. (laughs) Uh And there are many ways that that happened, just to be clear. That's the kind of umbrella. But then how they decide what to support, whether they accept RFPs from nonprofits and then review those, or whether they let members nominate nonprofits, and then ultimately they listen to some presentations and they vote on which one to support. There are many different ways that people go through that process, but that broad frame you just shared is exactly, exactly right. Mm. And for funders who are participating in a giving circle model, then maybe a more typical crowdfunding or direct to nonprofit major gift or mid-level, what's considered sort of mid-level donation, maybe $1,000 or $2,500, although those are still major gifts, but at some institutions, those donors, I feel like get a little bit left behind. And so I'm curious, how does the giving circle model really support the connection between the funder and the nonprofit because they're a part of this giving community. Mm -hmm. I think it's a really wonderful opportunity for people in that bracket, whether they're donating $100, $1,000, even $2,500 or $5,000. Those can be smaller dollar gifts for a nonprofit, depending upon the size of the nonprofit. What we see is that with the giving circle, again, to use the example of 100 people each contributing $100, now you have a $10,000 gift to give away. And some of these giving circles are having their members contribute $1,000 each. So then they have $100,000 to donate. And so suddenly your money is amplified with the money of all of these other people. And now you're part of, you're part of a major gift for a nonprofit. And these nonprofits, they have so much to do that it's impossible for them. There's no way we can expect them to spend the kind of time and attention on a donor who's contributing a smaller amount, right? 
And even at these five and $10,000 amounts from giving circles, we still really advocate for the giving circles to make it very, very lightweight on the nonprofit so that they don't need to spend the extra time paying attention to the donors and the cultivating when they could be spending that time on the work itself. What's great about it is it does put you in that higher dollar bracket. And it provides a channel through which the nonprofit can also provide feedback to the to you through your group. And so what we often see, for example, with giving circles is that if a, a nonprofit has received a gift, that in the next cycle for that giving circle, the next granting cycle, they might invite that nonprofit to come in and just give a five-minute update, right? Let's not overburden them with some big impact report or anything like that. Ask them to come in or even just dial in and share five minutes of what we're doing with your funds. Where's the money going? So we have that nice feedback loop. People hear the story, which is so much more powerful, we found. If the feedback loop is faster and it's more story-based, then of at the end of the year, some big impact report on your desk that you're never going to look at. So I think for the donor, you have that opportunity to connect more directly with the nonprofit and be part of this larger dollar donation amount as a collective. Mm. There's a few things you said in that that I want to double click on a little bit. I've been seeing a lot of statistics recently around how much donors want nonprofits to answer that question around what their donation amount did and how mm. that's such a big desired feedback loop for the donor, regardless really of their investment level. And I think about the strain that it often puts on nonprofits to, in an authentic way, really share how a $25 donation move the needle on something or a $100 donation move the needle on something. And I think a lot of nonprofits struggle with the desire to really treat their donors more equitably and include and give the type of information across giving levels to mm -hmm. their donors and not just prioritize larger amounts. But I think one of the things that holds them back from being able to do that is this piece where they can't give that same type of report out on a smaller dollar investment as they could around what they did with $5,000 and what they did with $10,000. And so what you're talking about here, I hadn't considered this before, but I think it provides this really meaningful and possible authentic feedback loop with folks across different giving amounts that are mm -hmm. part of this giving circle. And like you said, they're able able to consolidate their communication to the giving circle as a whole, but they're really answering that question around what your money did, but they're not having to break that down by the investment level of each individual. And I think that's actually a really powerful mechanism. We certainly see that in these groups, that the donors are deeply appreciative. Often it's an experience they've never had as a donor at their level. They may not have been able to have that direct connection with the nonprofit. I think it's interesting what you say. It's making me think about those nonprofits that do the upfront work. And I, I do think this is nice where they can say just on their website, for example, generally for every $10 you donate, for every $100 you donate, this is the kind of impact we can create with that. And I think that's really powerful to share upfront for donors and to help them make their decisions. That feedback loop of actually saying, here's what we're doing with this money right now, or here's what we've accomplished mm. in the last month or three or four months. That's just a really meaningful experience. As a donor, that's one of the really nice things about the Giving Circle model. It democratizes access to that type of experience mm. for donors. What you just said is super important, which is that quantifying the impact and qualifying the impact of different investment levels in the decision-making process for a donor is, of course, really important in them making that decision to donate. 
but they don't remember that afterwards, right? They right. had that moment, that serotonin release, they made the decision, yeah. but then they're not like later, oh, well, I knew what my money went to because of those things. And so that's why that feedback loop is so important because they're still wondering that. So for folks who are listening to this, who are like, well, we tell our donors what their money goes to in the way that we quantify impact on our site. That is really important. We're not saying to stop doing that, but it's actually not the same thing. And it's not sort of driving back to the memory of the donor and cementing their relationship with an organization in that way. So I, I really appreciate that reminder. For folks who are listening to this, who maybe are brand new to the concept of giving circles, and they're sort of like, how do they get set up? Do we set them up? Do they set them up? Can you talk to me about the different ways that giving circles could live within an organization, perhaps started by the organization themselves versus a group of people coming together independently, or just the different ways that they are formed? Absolutely. And it is a community-driven movement. So there are many variations in how giving circles are started and run and their focus areas, all of the above. A lot of them are location-based. More and more, though, we're seeing cause-based ones as well. There's a wide variety. One of the things that we are seeing more of are organizations getting involved in helping to start groups or starting groups for their own communities, whether it's a nonprofit starting a giving circle for their donors or a company starting a giving circle for their employees or supporting their ERG team members to start giving circles. So we are seeing more organizations get involved, and I think we'll just continue to see that. The ways in which traditionally giving circles have started, they really started here in the U.S. in the early 80s and primarily women initially coming together in location and saying, you know, I'd really like to do more for my community. I'd like to make more of a difference, but I don't have that much money. I don't know that much about all that's going on, but maybe if we collaborate, pull our funds, our networks, our knowledge, we can make a bigger difference as a group. And so that's the more traditional community-led model where these small groups, five, 10 women coming together, each then inviting a handful of friends to join them along the way. And then those ultimate coming to be groups of 50, 100 members on average. What we're seeing now with especially online, more and more giving circles getting started online, there are more of these cause-based groups, as I mentioned. And so people finding community around other people who care about the same thing, but not necessarily living in the same place. And then on the organization side, we're just seeing that nonprofits are recognizing this model, seeing the power of it. Giving circles to date have moved over $1.3 billion, engaged 150,000 donors, this is a movement. It's only accelerating, right? So if you're just learning about giving circles for the first time today, great. You're not behind or anything, but it's a good time because this is something that really is taking off. There was a big TED talk about it that released in September by Sada Lomaline from Philanthropy Together. And so I think we're just seeing more and more things line up to where more and more donors are going to be involved in this space. And so I think for a nonprofit, you can consider a couple of things. One is informing your donors and supporters about this model and movement and encouraging them to join a giving circle. Because you think about it, each of these groups are really powerful communities of donors and people who care. And so what a great place for you to have a voice about the work that you're doing and have someone from your community there to advocate for your work. And possibly that leads to a gift from the giving circle. It can also just lead to increased awareness and potential engagement with other donors on a one-to-one -one level. If you want to start your own giving circle, we at grapevine.org are happy to support you with that as well. And Philanthropy Together and some other organizations do this work too. You can learn more about the model and decide what kind of giving circle you'd like to set up. We see a lot of nonprofits setting up these donor communities in a giving circle in place of maybe a simple membership program where there might not be as much community or engagement in a membership program. So this is a higher value way to do that. 
thinking about different groups of donors of yours that like to connect with each other. So maybe if there's an alumni kind of segment to your donor community, or maybe women, we've seen a lot of universities setting up women specific giving circles mm. to support their universities. Thinking about like, what are the different membership or community types that support your organization? And are there some or one that would like to connect with each other through the process of supporting your organization? I would say that's the second thing to consider in a giving circle that you could put together to support your organization. And then the last thing that I've seen that I think is really exciting and just starting to see a little bit of this is some nonprofits taking a bit of a step back and saying, you know what, we're working on supporting women and girls. And our organization is one of many that are doing this. And especially coming out of COVID, nonprofits are collaborating more and trying to find more creative ways to be part of a broader ecosystem of organizations supporting the cause. And so we are seeing some nonprofits collaborating with other nonprofits through giving circles by saying, for example, we're going to help start a women and girls giving circle. And the giving circle can support any number of organizations that are giving to women and girls issues. So more of the kind of community led model where the money can go anywhere, not just to our nonprofit, but through this act of helping to support and organize these donors, we're furthering our mission to support women and girls. And frankly, you're also making those connections with those donors and being able to share your work with them as well that can lead to support for your work directly too. We are still in the early days of the nonprofits getting directly involved in this movement. And those are just some of the things that we're seeing and really excited to see where those different kind of trends go and happy to speak with any nonprofit about what they're thinking and what their questions are and support them with different examples that might be helpful for them. Yeah. And maybe we'll include a few of those below in the show notes as well. So folks can sort of click and see how those work on Grapevine. But one thing I just want to highlight is inside our sector, there's a lot of trying to hold our donor list close to our chest and being fearful of opening up our donor community to other similar types of nonprofits. And I just want to reinforce, we've talked about this on the podcast multiple times, but the more a donor gives to other organizations, the better it is for every organization. And most donors are giving, most people are giving to seven to eight organizations on average. And the more supported and stewarded and cultivated those donors are, the more connection they have to community in their giving, the better it is for everyone. So that old school scarcity mindset around don't tell the donors about other organizations <laughs> doing important work in this area. That's really hurting this sector as opposed to what you're suggesting, which is figuring out different and diverse ways for donors to work together, to connect with different types of organization, to really see the ecosystem around the problem that you're addressing. And I think for nonprofits to recognize that that only furthers your reputation as a thought leader and a connector and improves the way that your donors see your organization. And so really just to sort of double down on what you were saying. Thank you for that. Absolutely. I agree entirely. It not only improves the way they see your organization, but I think improves their experience, their feeling around their giving. And that is so valuable when people feel good about giving. It's in the university space, there's often this saying, flex the philanthropic muscle <laughs> that's used to refer to like earlier donors, the younger alumni, and like, how do we get them to just start flexing that philanthropic muscle? It doesn't have to come to us right away, but the more you can just get them used to doing that and feeling good about that and having a positive experience and have you in some way a part of it, that's extremely valuable, not just for the cause more broadly, but just for them feeling really good about their engagement in philanthropy and their connection to you. And ultimately, that all what leads to those future gifts, whether it's through the giving circle itself or downstream other asks and opportunities for support. 
Amazing. I know we have to go in a minute, but I have one more quick question, which is I'd love if you would just share why technology is an important element to the Giving Circle experience, why technology like Grapevine really fills an important gap. This movement started in the early 80s, and we only launched Giving Circles on Grapevine in March of 2020. So Mm. they were doing this great work long before we came around and built the first online platform for Giving Circles. Giving Circles reached out to us when they saw what we were working on, and they said, we're a whole movement and community of people giving in this way, but we don't have tools built specifically to support our work. And so the hours and money and effort that they were spending to do this work was really incredible. And you know, it's a simple concept, but if you think about trying to organize 100 people and gather 100 checks and get all of those checks to a nonprofit and go through the process of deciding where that goes... There are lots and lots of moving pieces. And then you throw in charitable tax receipts and Mm -hmm. tracking so that everyone feels really confident where their money's going. It becomes very complex. That's where the technology solution is very helpful. In just a couple of minutes, you can set up a giving circle page on Grapevine. With that page, you can invite your members in and you have a whole shared community space and communication space where you can go through that process of connecting with each other and deciding where to send your funds. Then you also have a charitable fund where you can collect those donations from all your donors into one place. And then when you decide where to send them, have them sent in one large amount via ACH or check to the nonprofit. So you're not asking them to process a hundred small checks and all of that easily tracked, no one having to take ownership of holding onto those funds in the meantime. So lots of little pieces, but we try to make it really simple and an all-in-one solution for groups. Thank you, Emily, so much. Thanks for this conversation today. We'll make sure all the links to everything are below as well so folks can check it out. And we'll give some examples of some of the really exciting giving circles you have on the platform as well. Thanks so much, Mallory, for the opportunity. Really appreciate it. Okay, there are so many things I love inside this conversation. Here are some of my top takeaways. Number one, Donors appreciate transparency. I mean, everyone does, right? But in terms of donors, they especially appreciate understanding the impact their donation has. Consider noting right on your website specifically what a contribution of X amount does, but also closing the feedback loop. Number two, is a giving circle right for your nonprofit? Results depend on building the infrastructure and communication to create and activate a web of support. Number three, collaboration is key. More and more nonprofits have started partnering and giving circles are one way to bring organizations and donors together. Number four, remember that the pie only gets bigger. If your quote unquote donor gives elsewhere, it does not take them away from you. And actually it predisposes them to further giving. Most donors give to seven to nine organizations. Number five, flexing the philanthropic muscle takes time. Reinforcing good feelings about any size of donation is not only more equitable, but it also builds memory and commitment with the donor. Okay, there are so many more takeaways and tips inside this episode, so head on over to MalloryErickson.com backslash podcast to grab the full show notes and resources now. You'll also find more information there about Emily and Grapevine. Thank you for spending this time with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love it if you would give it a rating and review and share it with a friend. I am so grateful for all of my listeners and the good hard work you're doing to make our world a better place. And if you miss me between episodes, stop by and say hello on Instagram under what the fundraising underscore. Have a great day and I'll see you next week.